Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we go a few miles from my home office location to Stovall, Ontario, and we're going to talk to Emma Wood of Good Food Project Stovall. So, good afternoon, Emma. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's start with your academic background. Where did you go to school? Oh, that's a difficult question at times. I did my um, undergrad at Trent University in International Development Studies and Sustainable Agriculture and Food Systems. I guess what I'm meaning to say, it's a mouthful. and then upon graduating there, I moved on to Ryerson and did a food security certificate program where I really got to focus in on what my passion was, was food security. And then I'm just um, a year into my master's in philanthropy and nonprofit leadership at Carleton University. So, so you spread your money around to different universities. Yeah, I'm the season to be a student forever. <laughs> All right, now let's start about your work background. Somewhere in there, you may have done some part-time or full-time work. Oh, I've had um, part-time, full-time contracts, you name it. I came from, before moving into the food security and nonprofit field, I worked in outdoor education, specifically summer camp um, at a horse farm. So every day was outdoors, rain, shine, snow, um, tornado, you name it. We were out there, um, kids age four all the way to adults age 85. Um, we did different programs and lots of animals, alpacas, chickens, pigs were involved. Um, it was super fun. And I think in a past life, I could have continued my outdoor education career, but food security um, kind of grabbed my heart and I wanted to really focus on that. Um, so yeah, since then, um, odd jobs doing research, uh, more recently uh, working in Lindsay at Fourth Lake Food Source, where I previously was in the warehouse, um, and I helping get food in and out to the local food bank and driving the forklift, which is something now I proudly get to put on my resume, and um, then uh, implementing their community kitchen program, which aims to facilitate um, food literacy skills to the food bank clients. And more recently, I've just moved into a new role, working as a research assistant, focusing on northern um, food security and food sovereignty in Nunavut. So, a bit all over. Yeah, you don't like to stay put. I can see that. No, I don't like to uh, not be busy. (laughs) Okay. So, Good Food Project Stovall. How did you come up with the name, and what's the purpose of the organization? Um, coming up with the name, that was, to be honest, I was driving home from a day at Lindsay, and when we were developing the Good Food Project, it was part of an independent study um, at Ryerson, um, and I had a meeting with my prof that evening, and we needed a name, and we needed a name for weeks at that point, and I was going through everything in my head. But what I kept coming back to was, you know, the underlining goal of the 
organization is that we wanted good food to be out there for people to access, not just food, good food. And so it being a school project, but as well as this drive for good food, I thought the good food project fit very well. And um, I'm so happy we picked that name. What's the purpose of the organization? Um, so the Good Food Project aims to alleviate food insecurity in the community of Richard Stovall. And we do this by increasing access and availability to nutritious meals that anybody can access. We don't ask any questions. It's there for whatever you need in that moment. Hold on now. Do you charge for those meals? Nope, they're completely free. Um, that leads to the obvious question. Where do you get the funding to buy the <laughs> yeah. food to provide them for free? Well, um, when the project was first imagined, we thought we needed to pilot it for six months to see first if it's received in the community, if it's used, and if this is what our community needed. Um, there's tons of different approaches to food insecurity, and this is just one of many. And so we applied to two grants the Richard Silva Legacy Fund and the Second Harvest Emergency Fund grant and got successfully for both of them. And that funded our pilot phase, um, which we're now completed. So moving ahead, we're focusing on donations um, as well as looking at different grant options um, coming up in the future. And we were the recipient of the Silva 100 Women Who Cares Charity of the Month in July. So we have, we have a lot of community support right now. Talk about team. Hmm? The team that you have working on this. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, we couldn't do this without the team. And I think the success of the project comes back to the 20 individuals who are committed to the Good Food Project. Um, we have two different types of team members, I would say. We have our cooks, so our volunteer cooks. Um, usually cook once a month for about three to five hours, depending on what we're making that day. And it's so full of energy in the kitchen. Everyone comes together, and it's a little stolen reunion of people who knew each other from high school or their kids played hockey together or, um, you know, my mom volunteers, and they'll be like, oh, I didn't know this was your mom. <laughs> so uh, it's a little stolen reunion every time in the kitchen. So we have our cooking team, but then we have what I call our leadership team, which is our kitchen coordinator, um, Susan, who honestly, without her, I don't think the Good Food Project would be as successful. She tries out every recipe every week. She freezes it. She reheats it for her family, and she lets us know what it is and where should we adjust to make sure that what we're putting out is the best possible version of the meal. Um, alongside, we also have Bandar, who does our website, Grace, who helps with recipes, Catherine does the grocery shopping, Jane oversees our finances, and then we have delivery drivers as well. So it, And our team is growing right in this moment, so it's super exciting to see this. That's exciting. So are you applying for a Trillium grant, or have you thought about that? I have thought about the Trillium grant. Um, I myself am on a Trillium grant in my one of my jobs at the moment, so I'm quite familiar with them. Uh, but something that I kept coming back to is we're only six months in. 
and let's just keep seeing what's going to happen in the next three to six months because there's lots of open doors and we're deciding which ones to walk through at the moment. Speaking of open doors, have you heard of Blue Door? I have heard of Blue Door. So Blue Door is uh, what we refer to as our home charity. Um, Blue Door has been in a partnership with us for over a year now and helping us get those good food projects off the ground. Um, they're there for us to lean on, but also uh, to issue tax receipts, which encourages donors to donate. Um, and then, especially right now, as we're going through the incorporation phase, Blue Door is there to make sure, you know, guiding us through the process. And again, I don't think we could do it without them. <laughs> Those listeners that don't know, Blue Door is a homeless shelter, and they have several locations for several families in Canada. So it's it's an organization that I've visited and done some work with them as well. Okay, so moving forward, let's talk about three years from today. What will good food? Project Silver look like? That's, um, I, uh, my dad was always one to say, what's your 555 plan? So your five-week plan, your five-month plan, your five-year plan. And sitting in this chair a year ago, I told you we'd be sitting here talking about an organization that I founded. I didn't, I wouldn't think you were <laughs> telling the truth. Um, ideally, I would love to see the Good Food Project um, actually not operating at all. And I just say that because that means that people are better off and don't need to access emergency food services. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to be our reality. So what I hope to see is that we're cooking weekly and um, our kitchen operations grow and we have more opportunities for people to come in and cook together, whether it's volunteer cooks or people who just need access to a kitchen to cook some meals for themselves. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what the next three years will bring in general. Can't predict too far ahead at the moment. Well, one of the things to think about is a good food market, good food bond. Yeah, it's definitely been on our radar. And they, they could be social franchises. That's a term that yeah. we use in business. Rather than franchising, a social franchise that makes it possible for Canadians. Yeah, it's definitely been something that uh, I've had a few people ask is if we will expand into other communities. And I think once our number one goal is to expand outside of just Stovall itself into the Witcher Stovall community, so Ballantrae will be hopefully our next spot and then continue growing in our own community and then seeing about moving to Markham and Goodwood and our neighbors in Oxbridge and what will that look like there. Um, one thing that I always go back to is every community, even though we're neighbors, is different. So even if it's working and successful in Stillville, doesn't mean it might not be successful in Markham or Goodwood or elsewhere. So. so one thing I forgot to ask, your kitchen, where is the kitchen located? So right now we're using um, a kitchen provided by the town of Wichard Stovall. Um, so when we wanted to launch the pilot phase, you know, we had the team of individuals, we had a plan, we had funds, but we didn't have a kitchen. 
and that was kind of the missing loophole and we wanted it to be a certified kitchen um so we could you know say that we all the meals are being made in a certified kitchen with volunteers with safe food handling and so we turned to the town and asked if they would let us use one of their kitchen facilities for the pilot phase and they said let's try it out and come back to us in six months time and tell us how it was um and i was very happy uh, in november when i went back to talk to them again and tell them how successful we've been and the impact and uh they have allowed us to continue using the space for the next year. So how many people pick up these meals that are they're delivered to the subcoasts? So on our end, um, when we prepare the meals, we then deliver them to the Wichardsville Food Bank and the Hummingbird Hub. And once they're at the two centers, then they can go out from there. So we actually don't distribute the meals from the kitchen. Once we prepare them, they go into freezable and microwavable containers, and they're frozen, meant to reheat on a later basis. Um, so this model helped a lot in COVID because we weren't all of a sudden having lines up to people or you know needing an indoor space to have a hot meal program. Rather, it's just where individuals were already going for food support were supporting those organizations, and then they can go from there. Um, so the best way, we do track a little bit of information of how many meals are going out and how many individuals are picking them up. Um, but every two weeks when it, we drop off more meals, I always look in the freezer, is there five meals left or is there 20? And um, it's no two weeks are the same. So just to give us an idea, how many meals a week? Um, well, on our end, we aim to prepare 100 meals every two weeks. So each distribution hub would get an estimate of 50 meals. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's a bit less. Um, so about an average of 50 meals are going out every two weeks. So are you a cook as well? I am a cook, um, more of a recent cook. I grew up with a mom who uh, went to culinary school, so we were foiled as kids and um, started learning how to cook in my undergrad. And then when the pandemic hit, I was unemployed at the time. I also wasn't a student at the time. So I learned a lot of new recipes and I keep going back to those, that first March, April, May of 2020 and kind of thank, I'm thankful for my situation at that time because I spent so much time in the kitchen just trying out new ideas and build that confidence that I didn't have previously. So is your partner getting used to your cooking? <laughs> yeah, his new thing is uh, he sends me Instagram reels of recipes to try next. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so having said all of this, how do people reach? What's your website? So our website is goodfoodprojectsdoville.ca. Um, we have a website as well as an Instagram, which is goodfoodprojectsdoville. That is our two main sources of where you can get information. We are working on a Facebook page and a LinkedIn as well to keep up to date. Um, our email, goodfoodsdoville at gmail.com, is another great way to reach us if you have any questions 
about where to access the meals, how to get involved or want to know more information. Um, and then coming to Stouffville and going to the community hub, um, the Hummingbird Hub, or the food bank if you need to access a meal. Okay. Emma, you're a star. You're passionate about what you do. You're going to make a difference no matter what you do after you graduate. And oh, thank you. Especially when you get your PhD. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll see if I can... Um, hunker down for a few more years to get a PhD done, but one degree at a time, one day at a time. Okay, well, thank you for your time. Yes. Enjoy the rest of your lovely day. Okay, I stopped the recording. Okay. What's going to happen is I'll do my thing at this end, <coughs> and then you'll, I'll send you a link, and then we put it on our website and Spotify. Google. Amazing. So Super cool. So you have to take it. Is there a TV awesome. interview on your website? Not yet. Our um, Who does our website has been away visiting families. So we're going to do a whole website on like reboot this year. Um, so we're just waiting to do that because there's a few other Princeton awards that we've gotten that I'd like to have on there. But so. we kind of are, are doing it all at once. <laughs> so. Well, it's interesting. We're redoing our website as well. <coughs> because what we do is Community Innovation Hub is mm -hmm. setting up hubs across Canada <coughs> using uh, unused space for small business, nonprofits, charities. Mm -hmm. and with my partner, we co-wrote a book called The Good Back Economy. Same yeah, I saw that. Same title as the podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the royalties go to a give back fund. That's amazing. <laughs> My uh, partner, Carla, is a member of the Leon Fund. Does that name ring mm -hmm. all? It doesn't. Is it a local family? It's a family that is in the furniture. Well, Leon, yes. <laughs> <coughs> so she's about half my age. We're like brother and sister. She doesn't get that I'm right all the time. <laughs> I don't know why not. <coughs> no, we have fun, though. Look, Emma, thank you very much for your time. And like I said, thank I, you. Will, I will send you the uh, link. Yeah. And uh, some people can get it on our website. Some people put it out on social media. Some send it out to potential donors and sponsors. Yeah. So there's different ways that it can be used. There's a number of uh, podcasts on food security. Taylor yeah. Yeah, Paul Taylor is someone himself and um I have a book called The Stop written by Nick Saul and that was the book that um kind of I read it in my second year of university and that was the turning point of 
I finally started like started getting angry about things I was reading and passionate to dig deeper and that was the turning point there so himself and Paul Taylor are two people I look up to in this industry well there's there's another one that's quite interesting called the store and the mm. store is down in Tennessee, and there's lots and he sponsored it, he and his wife, and mm. you go into the store, and they have things for free. Yeah, like a, what do you call it, grab bracelets and some. Oh, okay, we'll have to look into that. Wife is Kimberly Williams. She's a movie star. Okay. So it's That's such a great idea. The two of them when it started, I interviewed the executive director. Hmm. The other thing I wanted to mention just briefly if you have any of your team are between 15 and 25, there's Diana Awards. Okay. And I really have to talk to the Diana Awards. It was done in June this year. Mm-hmm. And there were 400 awards given out globally. Wow. Wow. And I interviewed four of them. One in Pennsylvania and one in Canada. So if you have somebody in that age bracket, nominate. I'm laughing because I myself I have one more month of being in that age bracket and that, that no longer. No, but I um, mean, you could nominate somebody like the Diana Awards is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, YouTube to make sure that her show the Diana Awards ceremony. Oh wow. So what they would do is they'd go down to five, and the sixth person would say, I won a Diana Award because I did this, and I am in Togo, Nigeria, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, super cool. Or the wife. So that would give them about 53 minutes. So that was the thing. Anyway, I don't want to keep any longer. No, not at all. Keep on cooking. Well, we will, yeah, it's, um, we're waiting to see if we can continue with the new restrictions, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we'll be back in the kitchen soon. Oh, I'm sure you will. So, but thank you so much for having me as well. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Take care, Peter. Bye.